Hello, this is Mike Gettle and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hops. Welcome to the 24th episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Binds. Steve, we can't wear, uh, theoretically, we can't wear white clothes anymore. We're past Labor Day. Is that an East Coast thing, probably? It huh? has to be, because <laughs> I've never heard that one. Uh, I have to. No, no white T-shirts when you're out uh, picking hops. So. Oh, okay, because the weather. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that must be an East Coast or Midwest thing, but uh, makes sense. Well, I was looking at our numbers this morning. We're up to about 15 to 16% of our uh, projected hop harvest is in the warehouses right now, and uh, you just got back from Idaho. What's what's going on overall, and what, what, what did you see in Idaho the last uh, 24, 36 I, hours? I did. My day started off with breakfast in Boise, so uh, I don't know if it's possible to get jet lag in a pickup, but I feel <laughs> a little bit like I've got it. Um, but no, the crop down there um, visited uh, several of our valued growers down there in in Idaho. Uh, they were picking uh, Cascade, uh, Chinook, and uh, I think in just a, a brief synopsis, uh, most of the growers down there were a little bit disappointed in their Simcoe yields. Uh, this this was a, a pretty hot summer for them down mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. and uh, Simcoe yields were off just a little bit. Cascades very similar to here in Washington. You see some uh, early trained stuff that's doing seven, seven and a half bales. Some late trained stuff, uh, probably more in that eleven to twelve bale range, all across the board. Uh, they were picking. Uh, one of the growers was picking Chinooks. Uh, they do a wonderful job on yield with Chinooks in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one thing I'm a little bit concerned is uh, because of the warm weather uh seeing a little bit of mite pressure uh mm-hmm. here and there uh so we'll keep an eye on that as the uh, season progresses and at this at this point in the in the time in the year uh if you have mites can you do anything other than try to pick fast and is there any other solution right now that's the main weapon in the toolbox at mm-hmm. this point is mm-hmm. just to to pick ahead of it cuz there's uh you have pre-harvest intervals and we're getting up against some of those uh, really the best thing that can happen is a nice soaking rain because that kind of washes some webbing right. off and slows them down. Uh, but uh, it's it's not widespread. It's just pretty common. You don't have to drive very far to see a yard that uh, looks tired and, and right. needs to be picked because of uh, a little bit of mite pressure. Our, C, uh, our CO, Carl Van Evenhoven, grows a few hops in his backyard. He's a home brewer and... Uh, he, he was saying uh, over the weekend, he said he went out on, on Friday and then looked again on Monday, and the mites had gotten into it pretty bad. So, yeah. yeah. Carl needs to leave it to the experts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He makes good beer, but yeah. He does, yeah. yeah don't don't grow the hops. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're very excited today to have uh, Jeremy Danner, the uh, ambassador of brewery for Boulevard Brewing in Kansas City with us. Jeremy, uh, welcome to our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to... Uh, I talk baseball a lot, so it's nice to get to do it officially on behalf of the, the brewery. So, so uh, you know, the, the, it's it's obviously been a t- you're you're a Kansas City Royals fan, I'm assuming. And did you grow up in that area, Jeremy, following baseball and the Royals your entire life? Yeah, I'm from uh, I'm from a town called Lexington, Missouri. It's about 40 minutes outside of Kansas City uh, to the east on the Missouri side. And yeah, growing up, Kansas City was the city to us, and I've been a Royals fan as long as I can remember. What were the uh, what were their first uh, teams? Uh, I don't know how old you were. What were the first teams you started watching as as a Royals fan? 
Uh, I remember some of my some of my strongest memories are seeing uh, Bo Jackson. Oh, sure. Uh, play as a kid, you know, oh, when, yeah. when Bo Jackson and, and George Brett and Danny Tartable were on the team together. I was actually at a, a Boy Scout night um, up in the upper level. One of the nights that, that Bo Jackson broke a uh, bat over his knee, yep. and when we could hear the word that he said, and it wasn't something we could repeat <laughs> then, and I, I doubt it's something I can repeat on this podcast. But that, that's burned into my brain is, is Bo Jackson breaking that bat over his knee. Well, that, that I remember the All Star Game, and that was fantastic, and that that whole uh, advertising campaign, Bono's Bono's baseball. baseball and football, and then the funny one about hockey. Maybe not hockey, but it was a funny <laughs> one. That was a good commercial back yeah. in the day. But what a player! That uh, I yeah, the guy was just such a stud. I don't know how far back you go, Jeremy, but I can still recall that the '85 team mm. that that won the World Series had a yep. nice comeback against uh, the Cross State Cardinals. The Cardinals, yep, that year. And uh, that was uh, uh, one of my fondest memories watching the World Series, just because everyone was pulling for the Royals to make yep. the comeback. Yep. And uh, they pulled it off. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that 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 predates what what I remember, but I've seen you know replays of those games so many times that you kind of feel like you were there as a kid. But obviously, I don't I don't have the memory of when it first happened, unfortunately. Yeah, that's reserved for us old guys, I guess. <laughs> but but, and the Royals have had so many great teams over the years and great players. I mean, uh, back to, you know, even Amos Otis and obviously George Brett, and like you mentioned, Bo Jackson and Danny Turtable and all of the great pitchers they had through the years. And uh, then wonderful to see, you know, a couple of years ago finally winning the World Series. That must have been so exciting for you to, uh, to participate and, and watch that all unfold those couple of years. Oh, it was amazing. I uh, actually, I got lucky both 2014 and uh, 2015. I went out to the stadium quite a bit to do uh, tastings of, of Boulevard beers before the game and, and either Craft and Draft, which is kind of a, a craft beer bar that exists inside the stadium or the Crown Club or the Diamond Club. And I had a, uh, I had a vendor badge both 2014 and 2015. So I went to uh, every home postseason game in 2015. I saw 39 baseball games. Oh, wow. It was incredible. <laughs> nice. Amazing. And you're getting paid to go out there for a Boulevard as well, huh? That's a pretty good gig. I don't complain much, no. <laughs> uh, we're drinking. Uh, we've got your Tank Seven Farmhouse Ale on here, and and uh, in, in, it's a great beer. This is a really nice beer. T- tell us a little bit about this beer, Thanks, uh, Jeremy. Yeah, so Tank Seven. Uh, we actually will celebrate the tenth year of making uh, Tank Seven next year, but it's actually the base beer uh, for one of our limited release, most serious beers called Saison Brett. So we have this dry hop saison that we inoculate with uh, Britannomyces uh, at, at packaging and then let it sit in our warehouse for two or three months until it gets a nice break character. But we had beer sitting in tank number seven, this dry hop saison waiting to be uh, inoculated, and we sort of fell in love with it as it was. So we you know, were taking you know, small samples out of the tank, and then we're filling pint glasses and then pitchers, and we actually took some to a local beer fest uh, back in 2008, and word kind of spread throughout the fest that Boulevard had this amazing dry hop saison that uh, they had to try and a bunch of brewers at the fest and you know people asked us what are you guys calling it and we kind of panicked and said well it's tank seven because it, it came from tank seven and that's kind of <laughs> how the deer got its name yep uh, great story and you say saison bread after george or did i mishear that or is that just me wishful thinking <laughs> no you know it, it's funny when we first dropped saison bread we actually got a call from uh from george's people asking if it was related to him, and we had to, we had to let him down easy and let him know that it was an abbreviation of Britannomyces, not a, not a reference to him, unfortunately. He's the guy that invented pine tar, right? That's right. 
yeah, he made it famous, that's for sure. <laughs> that, him coming out of that dugout is oh, still such a vivid oh, uh, video or vivid yeah. vivid picture where he was just livid. Against uh, the Yankees. Uh, against the Yankees, oh, against yeah. The Yankees. Yeah. 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 That's we, why. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah. We've got the Yankees coming in town tonight, uh, so we'll see how that works out. Hey, uh, Jeremy, got a quick question for you. I don't, I guess, but I don't always get it right. I'm, I'm thinking I'm picking up a little mosaic in this. I'm kind of getting a little pepper blueberry. Is, is there any mosaic? You know the, uh, uh, it's not mosaic. Tank Seven is dry hopped with uh, a blend of Amarillo, Calypso, Lemon Drop, and Citra, are the hops, and then Amarillo is the feature. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, there goes my perfect record. <laughs> I was thinking I was picking up a little pepper blueberry, but, uh, You're getting some of that maybe from the Amarillo then. Yeah. yeah. No, well, Amarillo is a great hop too. We're, we're proud to, to uh, process a lot of that for our, our growers in the region. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, uh, so you've got, uh, a lot of the Boulevard beers are available at, uh, Royal Stadium or I don't even know what they call it anymore, but, um, uh, the, the Boulevard beers are widely available at the ball game. Yeah, so we are actually the official craft beer of the Kansas City Royals. So one of the oh, first, nice. um, one, of, one of the first deals of that scope in in craft beer and Major League Baseball. So, um, in addition to being pretty much everywhere, um, they, they sell beer, pour beer on draft. I think we have 220 different points of distribution uh, at, at Kauffman Stadium. But the, the big feature is a place called Craft and Draft, and we usually have. 10 to 13 Boulevard handles in there. And then there's another uh, 10 to 12 other local beers that are on tap. Um, but it really is. A, it's a craft beer bar that exists at uh, a major league baseball stadium, which is pretty unique. And, and you're, you're part of the, uh, the larger group uh, under the Duvel group. And, and um, tell us a little bit about that experience for you. Yeah. So I, I started at Boulevard back in 2008 and in the summer of 2013 is when uh, John McDonald, our founder, you know, first started talking about the idea of, um, of selling the brewery and, and giving him the opportunity to kind of step back from the day-to-day operations. So uh, in, in late 2013, we learned that uh, John had found a partner in Duval Morgat. And I think all of us were, I mean, personally, I was super relieved to learn uh, that that's the direction he was going. Obviously, I'd had Duval before. I'd had Leafman's. I'd had Omegang beers. And just knowing the quality of those beers and how delicious they were uh, made us feel good. But then as we learned more about the Duval Brewery itself, and in mind that it's a four-generation family brewery that's been making what we call craft beer since 1871, that that made us feel uh, really good to, to be, you know, joining a part of that family. And then I think the reaction that we saw both from, you know, beer drinkers and then also the industry, a lot of people in the industry came out immediately in support of the deal and say, like, you know, if you're going to sell your brewery and you're going to find an investment partner, this is the way to do it. This is the, the, the goal of what you want to do. Do you get together with the guys from uh, Omegang and Firestone and, and back in Belgium and uh, sit down and talk about what's happening and recipes and consumer preferences and, and share and talk about how to how to respond or do you ever, does everybody do their thing uh, independently? You know, I would say that Firestone Walker operates a little more um, independently. Immediately upon joining the Jewel family, we, we kind of mashed our, um, I guess, mashed, maybe married. Married is a better term to use. We married our, our sales team up immediately. So, um, you know, we kind of doubled our sales force, and then they're the same. Um, but Firestone's a little more independent. But, yeah, we, we still have a very open dialogue. Um, Stephen Powell's our brewmaster. is good friends with um, with Matt Brindleton from Firestone Walker, of course, and then uh, Phil Leinert out at, at Gang, And then, obviously, we have Hedwig Nevin in Belgium as kind of our, 
our chief technical officer globally. Yeah, there's a there's a big exchange of information that that happens. You know, people talk about you know, having you know you have that extra layer of approvals on top when you're part of the family, but we sort of view it as having that extra layer of experience. And, and if you if you've been to Dulo, if you know anything about the brewery, they're very technological technologically advanced like we are as is Arsenal Water. So it's nice to have you know that experience and that conversation that's ongoing. Trying to help everybody make better beer is the goal. We've got our uh, European headquarters are in Brussels and have a good relationship with uh, with the developed people over there and obviously you all. Um, do you get, uh, because of Omegang, do you get uh, free tickets to the, the Hall of Fame ceremonies up in Cooperstown, <laughs> or, or is that part of the deal as well? Uh, you know, I, I've, not, I've not tried to explore that connection, but I will tell you uh, the first time that all of us went to Cooperstown for meetings, they actually shut down the Hall of Fame uh, one afternoon, and we got a private tour uh, oh, cool. as the the Duval USA sales team and marketing team, and they brought out some cool George Brett stuff. They brought out um, they brought out the helmet he was wearing uh, in, in the Pine Tar game, and they had some <laughs> artifacts. And they brought out special for us to look at. It was super cool. Good, Steve. Are you still going next year? You got your tickets booked? Uh, if uh, and I'm I'm trying to say if to be politi- politically correct, but if Edgar Martinez gets in, I've, I've got to figure out a way to get back. You got to get out there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Looking forward to that, Jeremy. Do you go, do you ever make it down to spring training down at Surprise? You know that's my goal. I, I've I've had a couple chances, but it hasn't worked out uh, with my travel schedule. In, in my role, I travel to a lot of uh, beer dinners and tastings and new market launches, and I haven't been able to uh, work out a spring training trip. But that's, that's something I need to make happen. They share a ballpark with the Texas Rangers, and it's mm. just it's a beautiful. Uh, ballpark it kind of reminds me a little bit of kind of a retro Hmm. style and the spring training fields are obviously a little bit smaller than the regular uh, uh, ballparks but uh, we that's we go down there to a game or two even if you know I follow the the Seattle Mariners but even when they're not playing it's just it's such a fun ballpark Hmm. that uh, we find ourselves over there uh, enjoying baseball there so if you ever get a chance you need to go down it's just it's just uh, for anyone who has even a small love for the game. It's it's a wonderful place to be uh, the month of March every year. Yeah, I need, I need to make that happen. We actually we have our beer in uh, Surprise Stadium, so it would make sense for me to get down there and make the trip to uh, to try to go down there and check out some games. Yep. So with uh, you know the Royals are having a tough year. Um, with the, uh, the the trades of you know you know people like Mustakas and now with the uh, the September call-ups, so who who are some of the young exciting players that uh, you're you're excited to see kind of make their major league debuts here during the month, uh, Jeremy? You know we picked up um, we picked up uh, Brett Phillips from the Brewers and he's been a lot of fun to watch. He um, he had a play the other night in, uh, in Cleveland, uh, making a catch and or tried to make a catch and slammed in the wall really hard. Uh, so that, that guy plays really hard every day. But the guy that's been a lot of fun, you know, over the past, pardon me, a few weeks to watch is uh, is Ryan O'Hearn. Hmm. I think he had, like, uh, through his first 24 games, he had nine home runs. If you do the math, you know, across the 162-game season, obviously that's a, a blistering pace to, to keep up. But that's that's 60 home runs is what he'd hit if you were to keep that pace, which, you know, obviously isn't likely. But it's been fun to watch him. That's and then also fun. Yeah. Our young pitchers have been fun to watch, too. Now th- those are those are fun times to watch uh, those young players coming up. That's what you have to do if it's a year like for me and my Minnesota Twins or you and the the Royals, uh, Steve. It's not there yet. I mean, it's starting to feel a little anxious as a Mariners fan. Or I'm afraid rigor mortis is starting to set in. Uh, they just <laughs> they're they're uh, I think five and a half games back. Uh, 
of the Yankees, and they start a series against the Yankees with right. the chance of, of winning three out of four. Against At least it's here in Seattle, Seattle, right? I mean, it is in Seattle. Yeah. Um, and, yes, I'll be there dutifully in front of the TV tonight watching them. But uh, it's getting a little bit frustrating. They had such a good first half in the second half. I think they've regressed to the mean. You, you can't have a negative uh, run differential and expect to have a winning record for uh, for too long. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I had kind of a, a turning point a couple of years ago. I think it was probably fall 2016. I, I come home from a game, and we, we should have won the game. We were leading, and we ended up giving it away late. And I came I came home, and I was kind of grumpy about it. And my wife asked me what my problem was, and I said, you know, we're winning this game. We, we should have won. We should have closed it out and, and, and gotten the win. And she got very serious, and she looked at me, and she goes, do you remember? Uh, I took her to her first Royals game back in 2002 when we first started dating. She's like, do you remember how much fun we had going out there when they were losing 90 to 100 games every year? And I said, I do. And she put her hands on my shoulders really hard, and she goes, man, you got to effing find that again. <laughs> I was like, you're right. I, I do need. Yep. And she, she said the word. I know I can't say the word, but, yeah, she's like, you got to find that. And that's, you that's can use that word if you're describing do, you know? the Yankees. It's okay. So <laughs> There we go, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just like – Going going out to the K and having a Boulevard beer and watching the Royals play, hanging out with my buddies or hanging out with my family. I take my son to a ton of games. He hit um, he his 100th game on my birthday this year. He's five years old, and I've taken him to 105 Royals games. And, and to be grumpy about nice. that just doesn't make any sense yeah, at all. That's, that's a good life, Jeremy, yeah. The, the way I look at it, when your team has a rough season and you enjoy going to the games, it's just that bigger of a probability you'll get a seat down closer to the action. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah, Royal Stadium is a gorgeous stadium with that uh, that fountain out in center field. It it's a pretty stadium. I, I haven't been able to cross that off my uh, my bucket list of ballparks to uh, visit, but uh, definitely, uh, if I make it out there, I'm going to come see the our friends at Boulevard. The Cardinals. Yeah, fan. yeah, we'd love to take you to the game, man. Cardinals fans get a lot of credit for being knowledgeable, but I think the Royals fans are right up there, true, truly knowledgeable about the game and, and true fans. And yeah. like, just like you are, Jeremy, it's pretty fun to talk about uh, people who really just love the game of baseball. I was down in spring training in 2016, and I think every other baseball fan had a, a Royals jersey on. They just uh, really came I, out to watch the team in spring training, and uh, uh, there very, weren't very many Texas Ranger fans at uh, Surprise Stadium for the games. It was mostly Royal fans. So it's, uh, and you're right, they are knowledgeable. I love going to the games, just sitting next, and just talking baseball. Yep. And uh, the Royals fans are right up there with the best of them in terms of knowing the game and the players and, and just really enjoying uh, baseball. Hey, Jeremy, what's yeah, I was the... at uh, when, when Miguel Cabrera won the Triple Crown a few years ago. I was at. He, he, the the night he clinched it was uh, the Tigers were in Kansas City, and oh, okay. they uh, they put it up on the scoreboard. Miguel Cabrera has won the Triple Crown, and they came and pulled him out of the game. And uh, I, I was I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. It's so silly, you know, another team, but um, we gave him such a large ovation that they stopped the game for a few minutes, and he kind of walked around the infield, you know, tipping his cap to the Kansas City oh, fans. Cool. And yep. that, that's something I'll remember forever is being yeah. there for that night. No, that is real cool. Miggy's a great player. That's a, yeah, no. Uh, what's what's going on new with Boulevard, Jeremy? What are you guys uh, doing? Anything different or exciting uh, in Kansas City with the brewery? You know, we uh, we've had our our tourism recreation center uh, open for a little over two years now. 
we, we bought an office building that was right next to the brewery and sort of gutted it and turned it into uh, a, a bit of a, a brewing history museum, a Boulevard history museum on the first floor. On the second floor, we have uh, a 10,000 square foot beer hall that we can see around 250 to 300 inside and another 100 on a patio. And then um, our marketing offices are right above the beer hall. So my desk is one floor above a spot that has 24 Boulevard beers on tap, which is frightening. But um, we've really, you know, started brewing a ton of test beers. And that's kind of been uh, something cool that uh, a challenge that Stephen Powell's our brewmaster has issued uh, to the brewers. They, they've been challenged to make one new IPA every month. And we're, I, I, w- I don't know if we're like, honing in hardcore on, on the New England or the hazy IPA stuff. They're making some really cool stuff that, uh, for me, like really showcases hot flavor and aroma with, with the restrained or reduced or even more approachable bitterness. So it's been fun to see, you know, the beers that we like as brewery employees, but it, it's interesting to see what test beers resonate with, with visitors and people who come to, you know, hang out and, and try new Boulevard stuff and be there on the edge of what we're doing. Oh, that's really cool. And, and, and do you actively get feedback in a structured way from the people that are visiting your brewery or is it more of the the bartender saying hey what do you like or you're just looking at what's selling over the tap or do you have some how do you have an if if any kind of interaction with the uh the people who are visiting your yeah. facility I, i'm a big fan of uh untapped i think it's a great app mm-hmm. and what i think is cool about it is i think beer advocate and rate beer and some of the other you know beer rating sites can be great resources but untapped to me um i think there are far more what I'll say regular people on there who might not identify as beer dorks, mm-hmm. but people who just enjoy drinking beer and, and kind of sharing that socially. Sure. So it's interesting to me, I, I read reviews on there quite a bit. And then in addition to that, you know, obviously when you're selling beer, you get more honest feedback. If I, if I hand you a glass of test beer for free, you're going to drink and say, yeah, that was pretty good. But if you pay five bucks for a beer and you don't like it, you're going to let somebody know. So um, yeah, definitely the beers that, that sell the most and sell the fastest, that gives us a good indication of what, we might consider developing into uh, to actual releases as we build our release calendar year to year. What's uh, which of your uh, styles of beer or um, or individual beers are your best sellers in Kansas City specifically? So uh, unfiltered wheat beer is uh, is our number one beer. It's around half of our total volume, mm-hmm. and then uh, Tank Seven actually is number two. Uh, for the longest time, Pale Ale, which is now our third seller, uh, was number two, but. But yeah, unfiltered wheat beer, Tank 7, and Pale Ale are our number one sellers in the Kansas City area. And then as you get further out from the brewery, and especially on the coast, Tank 7 uh, becomes our, our lead dog the further away from the brewery you get. And I know under Duvel, uh, collectively, you all have a, a pretty active uh, export market as well. Which, uh, which countries are uh, importing uh, the largest importer of, of Boulevard beers? You know, um, most of our beer export-wise, um, we're, we're doing the best in spots like um, Belgium, obviously. Mm-hmm. We have beer in Germany and France. We've been in the Netherlands and the Nordic states for a while, uh, and, and we just uh, started uh, shipping beer down to Brazil. But um, the European market's doing really well for us, and then kind of the surprise that's, that's growing really strong uh, is we have beer in, uh, in China, and mm-hmm. that's really taking off. Um, we've, we've been sent pictures of, like, like American burger bars that have uh, Tank 7 on tap everywhere. So that's cool. that's kind of been the surprise uh, export market that, that's growing the fastest for us. Yeah, we, we see quite a bit of growth throughout Asia as well. And, and it's, it, to your point, it's a lot of uh, food connected with beer. Uh, it's the brew pub or the, the foodie culture that's really um, taken American craft beers uh, as the preferred style. Yeah, it's neat to see. I remember being at, at World Beer Cup uh, awards ceremony a couple of years ago, and there were several 
um, you know, Asian breweries that had had won medals, just to see how excited those brewers were uh, to win medals was was pretty infectious. It's like, man, there's something going on here. Mm, Cool. Hey, Jeremy, I know Dubal does a uh, kind of a a dry hop beer on an annual basis featuring a different hop, And, and we've actually been privileged to help them secure the hops for some of those beers. Is that something you get involved in? Is that a collaborative effort or something that's pretty much limited to the uh, the brewmasters there at Duval? You know, in, in my role at Boulevard, I'm, I'm pretty hyper-focused on um, just Boulevard itself. Sure. Um, there are uh, some, some members of our team that are kind of what we call shared services that have more influence over, you know, what's happening at Duval or Roma Gang, but I, I focus strictly on Boulevard. Okay. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for taking time to uh, to spend with us today. Uh, enjoy this last month of the baseball season and uh, getting ready for Oktoberfest and all of those fun fall fall activities around uh, around beer. But uh, we really appreciate you taking time to spend with us on the podcast. I would say, uh, yeah, my pleasure, man. Jeremy, whether you're brewing or playing baseball or watching baseball, we wish you nothing but good hops. And number two, uh, please tell Stephen hello for me. I'll do that for sure, yeah. He's right. such a good guy. Yep. We're incredibly lucky to have Stephen here at Boulevard. Great guy. I've enjoyed knowing him over the years. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Well, Steve. Um, Thank you. You know, uh, it's uh, it's coming in a little bit light so far in the hops. We started talking about it at the beginning of the podcast. Oregon looks really good. Washington and Idaho, not quite as good. And then obviously that's a tough situation in Europe at the moment. Yeah, we set the pace, I think, with Centennials being off a little bit um, just with the uh, spring that we had and the split bloom and the training dates. Um, uh, Cascades in Oregon actually are picking pretty well. They're yeah, one Oregon's bright, in good shape. They're yeah. one of the bright spots. They they had a warm summer, too, which means their summer was more like a normal right. Treasure Valley or Yakima Valley summer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Varieties like uh, uh, Cascades, Will- the Willamette crop, I'm told, is pretty good. And Nuggets in Oregon looks good, even though they're they're not picking those for a while. Um, the uh, the highlight, I think, of the uh, Idaho crop is Chinook. Uh, they're they're picking out uh, very well on Chinook this year. Uh, Cascades are all over the board. And and here, <coughs> both in Washington and Oregon, I think yields on Simcoe. Uh, definitely were a little off expectations yeah. but uh yeah we'll see, we'll see um, how it goes yeah. it, it, i'm really interested in uh, uh we're just starting to think about picking citra mm-hmm. that's a huge variety for us a huge variety for the industry uh it's our number one variety now in terms of planted in the acreage, US, right yeah. and the crop out there looks pretty decent from mm-hmm. a both a yield and a uh, quality uh, mm-hmm. standpoint. So it'll be interesting to see those start to come off. And then we'll have Mosaic about the same time. That's another big variety for IPA, us. Uh, IPA drinkers everywhere the, hoping uh, we have a good uh, harvest. The, so. the, the big juicies, as you call them. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see those. And the alpha crop, I think, is, you know, with, with the mite pressure, I'm, I'm saying it's probably going to be a good average crop for alpha this year for mm-hmm. us. And uh, I've got to make some connections with my friends in Germany tomorrow just to see if they got the rainfall that they needed to help finish off that Hercules crop. Looking at the weather reports, it's my 
guess is it's too little too late. And if you look at the forward con, uh, forward forecast for weather, uh, there's no rain in the foreseeable future. So you're, you're at the point where it's almost too late to have much of an impact, right? Yeah. Getting <coughs> close, getting close. That would be my guess. Uh, I have to say the crop looked pretty decent three years ago, but the consensus was they needed the, the rain to finish off the development of the lupulin glands and, and really get that alpha up to where uh, uh, it usually is. Well, here's wishing uh, the Mariners beat the stinking Yankees over the weekend. That would uh, that would be uh, that'd be wonderful if we could steal three out of four and and uh, stay in it. Yep. Reel them in a little bit and make those last couple of weeks of the season actually mean something for a change. It's been a while in Seattle. It's an exciting time. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. All right.